Greetings, friend, and welcome to the Between the Covers podcast, where we are working every day to remove the self-limiting beliefs that are preventing us from becoming the heroes of our own stories. I am Marcus Barr, and before we get into today's topic, I do just want to say thank you to those who have left a rating and a review on Apple Podcast. I have two of them here that I want to just share because this is inspiring. It's one of the things that helps me to continue to show up and do this every single week. There is one from Lori on Warm. Hi, Lori. I appreciate you sharing this rating and review. And she says, Marcus brings real issues to the table, real struggles that may seem insignificant or, quote, too small, unquote, to bother with and shows us how everything matters and plays a part in recovery. Thank you for those generous and kind words, Lori. And I have another one here from Snapsquatch, and I love that name. That is an awesome username, Snapsquatch. He says, Marcus does an awesome job of sharing personal experience and lessons he's learned while also offering practical advice and tips for improving your life. Awesome podcast. Keep up the good work, Marcus. Thank you so much for those kind words. Thank you so much for taking the time and offering that generosity of just helping to inspire me to continue doing this work. I, I really do appreciate it. I can't thank you enough for it. Today, let's talk about effective communication. This is something that comes up quite often in discussions that I have with my clients. It comes up a lot in my own marriage as well. And for any of you who are married, who have been around those who have been married, who are dating, or you've been around those who are dating, you might see a theme that I'm picking up on here. Even those who have had ups and downs with interpersonal friendships, one of the things that often comes up is the importance of communication and how to be a good friend, to be a good spouse, to be a good lover, to be a good brother, sister, mother, father, parent, whatever it is, it requires us having communication. And the one thing that I would say about that is it's not just communication that is important. I would say it is honest communication because I was actually sharing this over, God, when, oh geez, what year is it? Right, 2024. Wow, that's where my brain is right now. It was December of 2022. I was in the wedding party for two good friends of mine who got married. And I was, it was an interesting place for me to be. I, I've even shared with the, the groom about this. And he's, he's one of those, we get together like every other week to just meet up and have good conversations. I was honestly surprised to be in the wedding party. 
I thought that he would have friends who were more his age. <laughs> we'll say that. I was the old man on the wedding party. And this was back when I was 38 years old. And he he's about 12 years my junior, almost. And so I was surprised that he had me on as one of the groomsmen. And when we were at the reception afterward, he was with his new wife, with some of their friends. It was late in the evening. Libby and I were just getting ready to leave. And one of the things that happened is we're standing there with some of his college friends and they ended up looking toward me and they're like, hey, you know, you're you're the one who's been married the longest. You and your wife have been married the longest among all of us here. What's what's your advice? And I had shared with them that most people would say that communication is the most important thing, or I would say the key to a happy relationship. And I said, while that is true, what I would amend to that is it's genuine, honest communication. That is what creates a healthy relationship. Because you can have communication in any kind of relationship. If you're single and you don't have any prospects or anything, this does not disclude you. Every relationship requires honest communication. And the way that that is delivered is also important because you can have communication where you're with your loved one and you guys are talking about, say, the quality of the green beans that are on your plate as you guys are having supper. You could say, yeah, we're communicating. But is that authentic and honest communication? What if those green beans were, say, a little undercooked or overcooked? Maybe you're one of those who doesn't like limp, slimy green beans. Maybe you're one of those who prefers to have a little more of a crunch to your vegetables. And your wife consistently makes them the way that she knows how, or your husband makes them consistently the way that he knows how. And they're overcooked in your opinion. You could say something and have communication that, you know, yeah, the green beans are fine and go about the meal. Or you could honestly say something where it's like, you know, I'm honestly more of a fan of crunchier vegetables in my meals. You can also have communication in a relationship 
where you are nitpicking and effectively chipping away at someone's self-esteem and their ego, such as going back to the green bean example, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to go with, let's just say it is the husband who is doing the cooking and the wife is kind of spinning the, or just shuffling around the green beans on her plate. And she could have communication and say, you know, these green beans suck. I wish you made them more the way that my parents did. Whew, you're having communication. But it's not really, I mean, it is honest communication. And at the same time, it's not really being delivered with love and kindness and compassion. So is communication important? Absolutely. Yet, we also want to be careful with what we say and with how we say it. Going to examples with conversations I have with clients where we are talking about some unhealthy standards or routines that are taking place in important relationships in their lives. This can be from a marriage relationship. It can be from their parents. It can be from siblings. We have oftentimes been told not to be truthful about what's going on in our experiences. I am going to borrow from the Christian tradition that I was raised in. And one of the things that is said in the book of Exodus is how we are commanded to honor our father and mother. One of the things that is often used, and it's a very unhealthy use of this commandment, is honoring our father and mother means that we can't say the truth about what's going on. And I have heard it said over and over and over again, the value of truth in love. And what we often, well, what I often see anyways, is especially with the people that I work with, that these people were said that you could only operate in love, not in truth. Whereas their caregivers were often operating in truth and not in love. An example of this would be an individual who grew up in a household where if the kids were having some kind of emotional experience, that the, say, they were lashing out. They were expressing anger because, oh, well, anger was the only emotion they ever saw dad give. And so they would say something in anger to their father, and their father, in their own anger, would tell them, that you can't say those kind of things about me. You are not allowed to act that way around me. 
here is the truth. And they would oftentimes quote this Bible verse that you need to honor your father and your mother, even though what was really going on in that moment was the dad had let them down in some way. I, I have heard stories of people who have had fathers that were absent emotionally or physically. They were so busy with work. They were so busy trying to provide or they were avoiding difficult things in their marriage. They didn't want to come home to their wife and to their kids because being at work was so much easier. So they would work long hours, come home, be absolutely exhausted, and just plunk themselves down in front of the TV and just watch their shows. And dad was the one who was in charge of the programs. A lot of these kids just wanted a dad who was there. A lot of these people just wanted a dad to teach them what it was like to be a man, to play ball, to engage in something that they found interesting. And instead, their dad would just sit on the couch whenever he was there, just watching shows. And if that was ever called out where it's like, dad, we just want your attention. These fathers would use this Bible verse effectively as a weapon to keep their kids silent. You need to do as I say, and what I'm saying is, no, I'm not going to play. I am too exhausted. Just let me sit here and watch my programs. And if the kids said or did anything in objection to that, it would be seen as not honoring their father. And so it was just the truth without the love. I wish I could say that these stories were uncommon. And yet, as I'm sharing this example, maybe it's even something that you experienced at home. I work with many, many people in this area of how to have effective communication. And I will get into some of the very practical things that you can do to have effective communication, to bring up some of these difficult things with others while doing everything you can to prevent them from becoming defensive. And if this is something that you are familiar with, then I just really want to take some time right now and just say, that's not how it was supposed to be. That was your normal, yet that wasn't supposed to be normal. Especially in modern America. We, we live in a world that, I mean, there was a time when one person's income was enough to provide for a family. And now that's not the case anymore. For most people, 
they need to have two incomes in a household in order to make ends meet. For some of those people, it's three incomes. You have someone who is working two jobs to try and make ends meet, and they rarely ever have time off. And don't get me wrong, they are doing the best that they can to take care of us. We are doing the best that we can to take care of the next generation, for those of you who do have children. And at the same time, with the conversations that I have, with the groups that I interact with, I hear over and over how this has created a hunger within them for attention, for affirmation, for love, for being noticed by these very important people in their lives. And they don't get it. They don't receive it. And it causes some very distinct difficulties in their lives. Their abilities to relate to other people. Their abilities to know what it's like to even be a parent themselves. And while we are having these conversations, we have to talk about establishing boundaries. And when we're talking about establishing boundaries, we need to communicate those effectively. Let's look at how we can have this effective communication with others, this honest communication with love and compassion. And the first thing that I will share with my clients is when we are having these conversations, we need to use I feel statements. The last thing that we want to have happen in any kind of communication with someone else is the last thing we want is for them to become defensive. One of the best ways for someone to become defensive is you accuse them of something. You say something like, you're always staying late at the office. You never listen to me. You're angry all the time. When we start out by saying you did, said, didn't do, didn't say something, if it starts out with you, that is oftentimes going to get someone's hackles up and they're going to become defensive. That's a problem. When someone becomes defensive, they're no longer listening to what you have to say. They are spending more time coming up with their next argument without listening to really what you have to say. So we want to avoid them getting defensive. And so the way that we do this, one of the ways that we do this, is we use I feel statements. The value of this is that no one, no one can tell you how you feel. And anyone who tries, they're probably gaslighting. They are probably manipulating you so that you begin to feel like the victim, so that the problem is yours and not theirs. Be, be very aware of that. 
if you are involved with someone or you know someone that you bring up anything and they immediately turn it on you, probably some serious gaslighting going on there. And it's a manipulation tactic. You don't want to be involved with that. Get away from someone who is a gaslighter. So tangent aside, we use I feel statements. I feel like I'm not important when you are coming home at eight o'clock at night. I feel that I am alone when we're sitting on the couch and you're just zoned out on the television. I feel like I don't matter when our evenings are spent with you scrolling on your phone. Do you notice the difference in that? The difference is that I'm not saying that you don't care about me because all you do is scroll on your phone. It is saying I feel like I am so lonely even though you're sitting right here next to me because your attention is always on the phone. If they come back and they say, well, you shouldn't feel that way, uh-uh, nope, it's your feelings. Your feelings are valid. No one can tell you how you feel. In fact, in some podcasts that I've listened to with counselors and therapists that work with couples, one of the things that they will often do in order to help facilitate this kind of communication is they, some of them will go so far as to say, you need to take tape and you put it over your mouth and you can't say anything until the one person has said everything that they have to say. And then you take the tape off your mouth, the tape goes on the other person's mouth, and then it is your turn to communicate. It's not very helpful when we are trying to get a point across and someone's constantly interrupting us. I would say that is another point for effective communication is we are allowing space for the other person to say whatever it is that they need to say. So we use I feel statements. We also want to validate the goodness in the other person. This is something that is, I would almost say it is as important as using I feel statements. Most everyone wonders if they are doing a good job. In fact, we could even go so far as to say that most people believe that they are a good person. I, I think there have been some polls out there that most people 
Yeah, I, I believe there have been some polls out there where most people, when asked if there if there are good people in the world, most everyone or most of these surveys have a rather high percentage of people who say, no, there aren't good people. Yet, if you take that question and you flip it around and say, do you believe that you're a good person? The percentage flips. Most people believe that they are a good person. Which leads us into this very interesting space. Most people believe that they are a good person and also walk around believing that most everyone else isn't. Again, the point of this kind of communication is we want to keep the other person from becoming defensive. One of the ways that you can do that is by pointing out the intrinsic good within the other person. Going back to the example of a married couple. Say that the husband is working long hours. The wife can say, I see how you are putting in a lot of hours at work in order to make sure that we have what we need for food, for house, for rent, for utilities. You're doing a lot of good work to make sure that we are taken care of with our basic needs. And yet, there are also some very important emotional needs that are missing when you are missing. See the difference in that? I am specifically pointing out the goodness in the other person. In fact, Libby can attest to this, and she's called me out on this a lot, that she will share something with me and... It's something that was upsetting her, and she just needs some time to process everything that's been going on. And while she's telling me about what this person said and did and how it upset her, I can be a little too quick to jump into pointing out what I see as the intrinsic good in this other person to the point where she says that I'm defending them and I'm not really standing by her side been a lot of work in that area. I still find myself lapsing into it from time to time. When we are wanting to be effective communicators, we want to be honest about what we are observing and what we are feeling. And we also, again, want to make sure the other person doesn't become defensive. If they become defensive, then it's effectively, the, the conversation itself is a war zone. We are entrenched on one side, they're entrenched on the other, and no one's listening anymore. They're just firing shots at each other. It's not helpful. So we want to point out the good in others. We want to state what we are feeling and what we are experiencing. And 
if we are talking about something of particular importance, say that it has to do with a belief, even like a core belief of this other person, and that that is causing harm in a relationship, then one of the other things that we want to do is we want to use stories. We are a story-driven species. We, one of the things that is often depicted is how tribes of people would sit around the campfire and share stories. We're talking the oral practices of the ancient Hebrews. We're talking about very ancient groups of people that just shared stories in order to explain the world around them. Like many First Nations in the U.S., just in North America in general, even in South America. All of these old ancient groups didn't have a form of writing, and yet they would sit around and tell stories. Stories are important. Stories make it personal. And one of my good friends, Mike, has shared many times that if we can put a specific name and face to someone who is being harmed by the motives, the behaviors, the words, and the beliefs of someone, again, we want to understand and express the intrinsic good of this other person and then use a story to let them know that there are some things that aren't quite working. This can be using a friend, using a child, using, well, that, sound, that sounds really bad. If you have children, using your own children as an example of the harm that is being done by words, by actions, by lack of presence, whatever it is, using a specific person with a name and a face makes the message that much more impactful. And we are also sharing the honest truth of what we and others are experiencing and we want to deliver it with as much compassion, grace, and love as we can. Otherwise, we're just gonna find ourselves at odds with this other person. It is my sincerest hope that this helps you in becoming a much more effective communicator with all of the important relationships in your life and the important relationships to come. And until next time, live strong for today. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing and you're interested in working with me, there is a link to my website in the show notes and also a link just to schedule a free 50-minute one-on-one call with me. Let's get the conversation started. Also, please rate and review this podcast so more people are able to find it. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon.